misses. Brock isn't dead. It's just sleuthing. With your host, Willie Whitebread, and Mark Audio Slave Stewart. Fuckers, welcome back to another episode of Rock Isn't Dead, It's Just Sleeping, with Willie Whitebread, Mark the Audio Slave, and a special guest, the Grunge Lord, Tony oh, Lloyd. Grunge Lord, is he? The Grunge Lord. Oh, that's really... All right, well, yeah, okay. I'll be the Grunge Lord. Yeah, we did a segment. I called him the Grunge Master earlier. Grunge oh, Master. really? <laughs> that was supposed to be his name. Maybe it's the Grunging Master. Yeah. He's been working on uh, on tiling all day, so his nuts smell mm. fucking real great. It smells kind of like a llama's pecker. It's in actually a <laughs> false statement. I built a Please. cabinet today. Oh, I uh, thought you said you punched a hole through a porcelain tub. That was yesterday with the porcelain uh, tub, and yada, yada, yada. Anyways, today, yeah. what are we talking about, y'all? Well, What's last week, we did an episode on that dirty little word called grunge, the new wave mm. alternative movement, the Seattle boom of the 90s. And now I see why you guys asked me to come by. That's right, grunge <laughs> lord, grunge master flex. <laughs> So, I think that... Without further ado, Tony Lloyd, everyone. Yeah, Tony uh, Lloyd. Oh, God. Yeah. So, back in 98... All right, anyway, on, <laughs> yeah. let's calm down. So, so, we hit on Nirvana a lot yeah. last week, but I don't think we gave the devils their due, so to speak. I don't think we, we talked about the majority of the other, other huge bands during that time, right? That's think, correct. We, 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 we dealt with a lot of Nirvana. I must say, Nirvana was about the key dealt with. That sounds like a chore. We, 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 we looked at them. We listened to them as kids. We talked about them for hours. Did you guys hour. go through the whole Courtney Hole thing? Oh, oh, yeah. oh, yeah, we did, actually. I've been in did a couple you? Courtney's Holes. Oh, right. Hey, Cassie, what you did there. Did you like, do you like Hole? Did you like Hole? I, I liked Hole. I actually still like Hole. He I, was more of a fudge tunnel guy. Holes, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fudge tunnels, whatever. All right. <laughs> Who is that band that we used to listen to, the chick that used to have that distorter on there, Onyx or whatever the heck? You remember what I'm talking about? That had the blonde singer, and she had the fetching... Three like, non-blondes? No, 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 no. <laughs> so she had, in it, if you listen to it, it sounded like uh, Insane Clown Posse, or it sounded like Dagum. Uh, you know what I'm talking oh, about? Yeah, Sound like yeah. Mushroom Head or whatever. Yeah. And she had that Kitty? distorter on her. No, and it was, was Otep. 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 Yeah. Uh, Heck yeah. That was her last name? I'm friends with her on Facebook. She's, she's nice. Well, look at you. She's look nice, at nice, you. Nice lady. Why don't you send her our fucking podcast link? Yeah, maybe I will. Yeah, you you never know. Anyway, so to me, what I thought about last week and I thought about quite a bit is how fucking cool it was back then that they, they passed band members around that whole scene like kind of like herpes. You know what I mean? So you got mm-hmm. you got Mike McCready with Pearl Jam and right. you got Matt Cameron who ended up being the final drummer right. of Pearl Jam mm-hmm. and then you had Stone Gossard and Jeff Amon. Right. Now, Jeff Amon and Stone Gossard, I feel like Stone Gossard one, he's probably the most down-to-earth rock star I've ever seen in my entire life. Doesn't give a fuck about anything. Has Grammys sitting in his basement, doesn't give a fuck about him. Lives in like an 800 square foot tree house in LA somewhere. Anyway, he he was destined for stardom, these two guys, Jeff Amon and, and Stone Gossard. Right. Right, because I'm sure you've heard of Green River. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and... and green Jello, too. Yeah. Green, yeah, Green Jelly. Right. Well, no, no, they were Jello first, and then Jello took it and said, yeah, Little pig, little pig. You can't say Jello, you have to say something else, because we're Jello. Huh. Oh, because it was a... <laughs> it was a copyright and trademark yeah. deal, yeah. 
You know who else is I, and, and, and not to go mainstream or whatever, Dave Grohl, out of the whole, uh, you know, what you guys are talking about, Nirvana or whatever, but that cat is a very down, down to earth, like, oh, yeah. humbled, like, I'm glad that I'm fetching, like, not like, hey, I'm glad that I'm still doing music. The guy was a musician from the giddy up. He was in a oh, great yeah. band, and he was in a great scene, and then he was able to evolve from that and, and then create this big big thing where they are now where, where even when they first started as Foo Fighters everybody was kind of like in that whole tune of like well what are they going to do this Nirvana-esque what are they going to do well he broke that mold well of course well, and then well the player started as a joke too that's what he, he, he yeah. said that was his, it was a joke band but yeah. right. he knew it was something well of course it was, I mean people do oh yeah you and I uh, and this young fellow here will do do a, a, a joke band and nobody over here but uh, yeah. David Grohl does a joke band it's like uh, you know I mean and fucking everybody heard yeah, it yeah like, Quick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's not something that all of a sudden it's, uh, oh, yeah, by the way, we just have this little project going, oh, goddamn, what the fuck it is? You know, it's one of those things that when those guys do that right off the rip, they're already going to have a fan base. They're already oh, yeah. going to have people that oh, are going to yeah. find some, even if they have just off the, off the, off the cuff, off, offsetting uh, lyrics and off music, even if it wasn't even in like a musically inclined deal, you're going to hit an ear. Somebody's going to be in there and going to say, that shit's fetching genius. And then when they do that, enough people are going to do it. Next thing you know, Foo Fighters. All, the Foo know, Fighters. The Foo Fighters over there. <laughs> it's the Foo Fighters. The Foo is the accent. We need, more, we need more cowbell because, you know. Yeah. But see. <laughs> but see. You, the, you love uh, the Foo Fighters, don't you? I don't, don't you, Will? I really. Down Rock is your favorite, I don't like them. They, to me, I, I think my expectation lingered from Nirvana, and that clouded my judgment sure, on I get them. it. And He's such it. a huge Nirvana fan. He refuses to like the food so, okay, I so, love Dave Grohl. No, Don't get me wrong. That, okay, love so, so, Dave yeah, Hawkins. No, I get Pat it. Smear, and so him. here's the other side of that too. That was one of my first, uh, one of my first apprehensions was to say, hey, listen, you know, they're just trying to wean off. They're trying to, to make some sort of money off it. However, musically inclined, it's even s similar to. Uh, you know, you talk about Audio Slave. I'm not a huge Audio Slave fan. Ah, see, I am. See, I, I like them more than Soundgarden. You, do you? you too like Audio Slave. I like Audio Slave. I'm not a huge them. Audio right. Slave fan. I like well, wait, 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 I like Perfect Circle. Team? I like Perfect Circle, but I'm not a huge Perfect Circle fan. So, I so. love Tool. I love Soundgarden. I love Chris Cornell. Not a huge Audio Slave fan. Not. I like them. I'll go to I'll go to a concert if. If you know if they were still around, yeah, I guess that is was it too soon? Too soon? Possible. Too soon? Um, yeah, I don't think so. Nah. Nah. I love the fact. Now listen to this. I love the fact that one, I got to listen to Chris Cornell, uh, Cornell, sorry, uh, up close and <laughs> up close uh, when we went to Hangout Fest in 2012. I thought it, him and his solo deal it was awesome, and I liked the fact that I actually got to listen to Soundgarden. Uh, Two years ago, a couple of years we ago, we were both there. Yeah, we were all there. yeah, we, yeah, we, we, yeah, there. we got we got listen to him, and then of course a br brief, you know, a couple of weeks later, he Robin Williams. So it's like one of those things where. Yeah. Fun fact about that too is a little bit before he died, I love because I, I do like Soundgarden, but I like Audio Slave more. Do you really? But okay. I love. Chris Cornell and a couple oh, days. Oh, that's yeah. I'm with you on that. Probably, 100%, 100%. probably, because you see a lot of bands Follow nowadays. Me. A lot of bands nowadays, their sound could be replicated. But these guys, I feel like the, the reason that these guys need so much attention is you got people like Eddie Vedder, Lane Staley, and and fucking Kurt Cobain and Chris Cornell. Their sound hasn't been replicated. Right. You know what However, I mean? In a big way. No, and I get it. And that's the other side of the 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 younger folks. That's what I was saying earlier. Is like the younger folks that actually will. 
talk about they're going to like you know that whole like that sound but it doesn't matter if you go listen to them it's not the same sound that people try to you know do that whole flam and and you know if you look at things like i don't know what you guys were able to touch on last week but i know that if you look at um the the post post metal post glam rock into the grunge when there there was a a time when things when were punk looking woke for back up after right, being underground exactly, for 10 yeah, years exactly and it yeah. was there was something that was looking for a change and uh, you know um uh, that uh, that that movie with uh, Mark Wahlberg, Rockstar, was it or yeah, whatever? Yeah, that was a good one. And it I did, and movie. it hit that whole grunge point. I think uh, the way that it should, because at that point in time, it was post. It was it was post that, and it was the same musical inclination. Hey, listen, I want to put out something. I really want to, but it was more of a folksy thing. Like grunge actually started off, in my opinion, as this folksy like. This whole, uh, you know, rejection towards this glam rock and towards well, yeah. all these ballads yeah. and all this bullshit. Punk rock and it was back up. Right, exactly. Yeah. It went to that punk rock sound. It went to that boom, boom. But it also went to the whole, hey, listen, we, we have some sort of meaning. Like if you even think about Lake of Fire and you think about their lyrics that are in a lot of these, these songs, you know, they actually punched uh, into a darker side of rock, but they had to put it in there, and it wasn't a ballad sound. It was a right. grunge Red sound, and it had to be put in. And then, of course, then you get it, uh, you know, uh, you know. I, I mean, one of my favorite songs isn't really even a song. It's fetching Stone Temple Pilots, and he's oh, sitting yeah. there talking, and he's like, uh, where did she go? What was that song where he's like, Oh, I oh think hey, everybody. It, hey, everybody. Where did Mary go? Hey, everybody. Where did Mary go? I think she went. Like, yeah. Scott where Lyons and where's my own? Oh, man. So I'm a huge Doors fan. And so when Scott Weiland, that's that's from from friends that I had that were in that LA scene or whatever, they said that, man, these guys were huge. They were a Doors cover band for a long time. But then they got into that whole. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. So when they punched into this whole grunge scene, they like found their own deal in the sense. That's why if you've ever heard any of Scott Weiland's Doors covers, it's because that's his whole thing. That, Got it. that was their biggest thing was they were a Doors cover band for a long time, and then they fetch and punched into well, I'm this. I'm glad whole, that they punched through and didn't broke on through to the yeah. other side. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> day to day, week to week. Right. <laughs> what, else, what, what I was going to say. What I was gonna say is, before, um, like a few days before Chris Cornell died, I actually bought a signed guitar. Of oh, his. really? Yeah, wow. and I got it hanging up in like a maple case, lock and key type thing. Really? That's, I bought yeah, it for like five hundred bucks. Uh-huh, you yeah. know, and I got it authenticated by JSA and PSA sure. and all that kind of shit. And I bought it, and I almost felt bad about buying it because I was like, oh my god, how fucking satirical is that shit? Well, here's you the know? thing: at, at the end of the day, it's 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 a piece of material, right? Yes, this cat happened to sign it, and yeah, there's going to be some collector down the road that whatever. There's going to be some sort of value that's put on it, but realistically, if you say, "Hey, listen, this actually means this much to me," then it's priceless, right. and it doesn't matter. And you can always say, no matter what, because Chris Cornell's voice, I think, is going to be pretty much timeless oh, it as it goes through. And I think it's, at the end of the day, you'll always be able to say, "Oh yeah, man, I got this fetching uh, guitar that's fetching signed by Chris Cornell." It's not like uh, you know, I didn't. Oh, I had this guitar, but I sold it for a uh, million dollars. But that's not the case. It's it's one I'm of those. Million? Yeah, I'm oh, sure no, you like, would. Well, so wouldn't you? I would. <laughs> <laughs> However, 
We're not talking about selling it. We're talking about keeping. I'm really weird when it comes to autograph shit too. Like I have a lot of it. Like, right. I have a lot of autograph stuff, and it, like I have this weird ideological like mantra with with autograph material because it kind of makes me feel like I'm kind of closer. Yeah, fuck you, Mark. <laughs> I'm kind of. It makes me feel like like I'm kind of like a little piece of them, like almost stalkerish. Yeah. No, you know sure. what I mean? Like they were there in this moment and signed this thing, and it's always it's gonna it's kind of a part of them in a we, way. To we we have a yeah. mutual friend. You know? Yeah. We have a and mutual friend who um, I'm not gonna say his name, and he will point it out no matter what. But he has been like a roadie for bands and he's driven them places or whatever and he used to tell me like all kinds of things i used to work with him in this kitchen and he'd be like oh yeah I that was you. my my boss from rockville remember yeah that talks yeah. like the southern mama yeah you and, know who that was yeah <laughs> <laughs> he would be like oh i know this blah blah and blah and so um mark and i actually the the first time i ever went to his house was back in early 2000s and we went there to get i forgot what we were going there for but he has this whole shrine area this whole but he lives in at the time he lived in his mom's house his dad's house and so it was an old country style house and you go in you got pictures on the wall it's very low lit and then he has all these photo albums that's how old it was it wasn't on a phone so he's got all these and you open up the photo album and his it's most important ones were oh yeah and he, he's got something signed by so-and-so and so and so and he used to tell me it's funny because he used to tell me I just didn't believe him and then all of a sudden I see all these autographs I like, do this guy's got a lot of shit well so I remember one time I was going to the Freebird, which was a uh, I've been there. Yeah, a good old music hall back in Jacksonville, which I, I bring the Freebird back. But it was there, and and uh, yeah, that was a good venue. And at and at that spot, he he was oh I'm working for so and so blah blah. And I remember going there to listen to. I can't remember it was, it was a big band, but we were going there, and this cat's outside the band, outside the bus with a pen in hand, waiting for somebody to sign something like a groupie. And I said, hey. So and so, and then I remember that whole visual, like, kind of just deteriorated a lot of stuff. However, much to his credit, like you said, he's kept himself in the music deal. He's constantly working for people. He's constantly portering people back and forth. So no matter how much of that's truth, either way, at the end of the day, he has a lot of autograph stuff. He's got a lot of stuff that only two collectors would be worth anything. It would only be something that is subjugated to somebody that says, hey, listen, I actually really want a picture of you and this bus with the signature on it and then would pay anything other than that it's priceless to him right so much like that guitar to you uh it that is something that could be anybody's deal and they it's priceless but it's something that in my opinion should never be sold to anybody oh and it never will that, yeah exactly no matter the collector or whatever yeah you know and you could be like a what is fish man or whatever you ever see that snl skit or it's like the fish man thing and he's like he's he's went from this high all of a sudden he's like on the streets of new york selling these grotesque pictures trying to <laughs> the rise and fall, yeah exactly the rise and fall of fish man yeah exactly trying to, <laughs> trying to make his way in so that's the only time i ever suggest you ever take <laughs> yeah. just so you that. absolutely have to sell the guitars yeah if it's the point between me eating fucking marie calendar's dinners on the fucking street corner painting shitty pictures or somebody's gonna give you over 100k Nah, I don't know though, man. Because like I said, that's that's timeless. I mean, the the love that I share for Chris Cornell and yeah, Soundgarden, this, man. It's this uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, David Gilmour's uh, guitar, his strap that he used on the wall, sold for over two million dollars. Wow. And yes. he also sold the acoustic guitar that he used on "Wish You Were Here" for over a million. Wow. 
It's all going to his. He doesn't need any money either. Why is no, he even doing that? It's, it's, all his guitar sales are going towards his uh, world peace. Yeah, I'm the sure world, it goes world, towards uh, some sort of health world organization. Yeah, it's a uh, it's about climate control and all that. Yeah, Mike McCready from Pearl Jam. He does a lot of that kind of shit for like. Oh, uh, McCready's awesome, addicts. dude. That's, that guy's a raped ape on the six string, dude. Well, th- what's awesome about it too is if you go to when you go to their concerts. He, every time they go to the concert, he always reaches out to a family that's in that town or whatever, and he does something special for them, and he usually will sign it. It's either a guitar or he'll say something, and he basically, Mike, the Mike McCready, I think there's a foundation, right? The Mike McCready yeah, Foundation, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he'll basically do that, and that's the greatest thing, because if you're touring on that, if you're, you think about it, these cats, it is now, what, 2019? Right? Yep. These cats have been touring for uh, 27 years, years, right? Yeah. You know they what I mean? Pay the bills. No, but it's, listen, it, I think at this stage, it's not even just paying bills. At this stage, it's one of those things that you know that you still create such a vibe through a whole stadium of people. Oh, and yeah. that if you stop, it's like being a comedian. You actually, when you go out there and you have 200 people in the audience, you're making them laugh, blah, blah, blah. And then the next thing you do, right? Uh, it's five people, but you're making them laugh. The idea is that you're a performer, and I think at the end of the day, with those guys who have the opportunity, right, that's not a gimmick, because, like, uh, not necessarily gimmicky, but Live and Bush are touring, and they're going to be I'll here, be and I'll be there, too. I already yeah, bought my we, tickets. We're, we're going to go. Oh, okay. I already bought my tickets, so I'll be there, too. And I've never seen Live live. Both really good. I saw them yeah. with, uh, um, what was it, Counting Crows, like, seven oh, months man. ago. man. I really wish. Friend, Same I venue, love too. Counting Crows. Yeah. Same yeah. venue. Oh, okay. They were good. Live yeah. My friend, great show, too. Yeah. Brad, Brad and I saw Live back in the early 90s, and we were at the small club in Trenton, New Jersey, and I was getting pushed up against the the front with my friend Brad and the lead singer he had a jug of water on stage and he just started dumping it in our mouths and stuff so I got much he saved my life man I owe everything to the lead singer fly (laughs) Marcus Cross yeah did your dolphins start crying yeah it's it's the dolphins it's Marcus Cross Marcus Cross (laughs) pain 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 lies on the rivers I got it so anyway So, so, so yeah, I feel like I feel like those cats, like Jeff Ament and Stone Gossard, they were meant for stardom because Green River was good, like right. Chris Cornell and and uh, you know Soundgarden. They always talked about Kim Thale and all those cats. They always talked about how Green River was kind of one of their inspirations to start making sure. music, you know. And then they went off to obviously the the great, well, almost great success, the kind of little cog in that wheel, uh, Mother Love Bone. Right, because right. they they played Mother Love Bone with Andy Wood, and that guy. Speaking of like the the hair metal and glam metal thing, that guy was killer. Oh yeah, I love him. He was yep. killer. Yes, those well, those cats. I mean, unspoken hero, unsung heroes. I guess that's what you could yeah. say. Because to the to the music core, especially at the time. I mean, they influence, especially like the 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 continuous of the their rock, just keep going, 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 and they they actually uh, they influence others that actually strive past that. You know, mm-hmm. right. with you have uh, um, you guys did a lot on Pearl Jam last week or something. Not really, um, not really. We we mostly, I mean, we touched, we touched, yeah. but mostly it was about uh, Nirvana. Because that's obviously a huge <laughs> subject and also a huge move in my loins every time the word's spoken. Heard. So, but we're going to do a little bit more on Pearl Jam now. Well, there you to go. To make up for lost time. Oh, we're going to do Guar. Guar. No Guar. <laughs> I, I saw Guar. I saw Guar with Lamb uh, of God one time. Did you really? It was a pretty interesting did show. Guar was my first show. Was it? Yeah. Did Paris Hilton get decapitated? She did Actually, mine. that was before Paris Hilton's time. Oh, wow. You're old, Mark. Yeah. 
that was when the, they came out uh, and the puppets came out on stage and it was a priest and a nun and then you know they were out there going you guys shouldn't be here you guys should be going to church and, and then the guar guys came out and slit them all to pieces and decapitated them and i was like wow Concerts are cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is better than that MOD and the concert. Blood starts pouring out. The, the, the blood starts, you know, going Method all of destruction. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's right. Empty hoop. So that, that really did put a, da- a huge damper on things, obviously, for multiple reasons with, with Andy Wood dying. And we touched on that a little bit as well because uh, him and Chris Cornell I were roommates. pretty quickly, though, I must say. Well, I'm sure you did, but they didn't. I mean, that's what I mean. They Too were soon. Oh. They were all such a tight-knit group of, of musicians. You know, they passed each other around like a fucking bottle of Jack Daniels. And, and Jeff Ament and Stone Gossard were there in Mother Love Bone and then formed Pearl Jam, obviously, right. after, mm-hmm. after Stone Gossard got the tape to his buddy Jack Irons, who's the drummer right. for Red Hot Chili Peppers, who knew Eddie Vedder, who then flew up and right. you know Pearl Jam too they they were only a band for five days before oh, they yeah. played their first show yeah that's it's how fucking awesome. well they meshed together right not only that they were pros seasoned pros by oh, yeah. that point you yeah know. but they were yes they were and uh, yeah musically but everything that had to hit had to hit perfectly right it's like anything else you know uh, if you have the great band and you have the great mesh then you can fetch in you can you can record. Oh goddamn, we recorded this uh, album in seven days, man. Another Doors reference, by the way. <laughs> another, can't believe it, best I've ever. Can't believe it. Another seven days, like the movie Singles, right? So that, that's a good one. That's the epitome of uh, the grunge scene, the Seattle scene. That's outside of like music is playing, music is being built and actually uh, like birth in that area at that time while people are living in Seattle. Seattle at that time had the largest growth rate of any city uh, in in, in the nation. This is a true story in in the early 90s. Much like Jacksonville and Las Vegas had that huge uh, growth spurt in like the 2000s and continue whatever, but Seattle especially at that time and it was all due to that music scene. People wanted to get into that scene. They got glamorized by the 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 sound they got glamorized by everything even that movie sleepless in seattle especially at that time was basically based around how seattle's growth was happening because it created this huge mecca and what started was the music started with kurt cobain started with fetch and pearl jam it started with lane staley it started with these guys who actually created created right. a spot that was more homey for people. People right. throughout the rest of the nation listening to fetching uh, Motley Crue or, or Last Bits of Cinderella oh, and all God. this other bullshit. Hey, Not bullshit. I'm sorry. I love it. I love it. Sorry. Sorry. However, that's what created this whole new sound. That's what created everything. Right. And, and again, that's also created that mecca the drive because if you're living yeah, in Chicago, if the you're, well, different. that's right. the thing. Is, if you're living in Chicago, I remember not to not to go back on the Nirvana thing, but I remember being a kid, being 17 years old. I'm driving my buddy's van, right, and I'm driving on this this road, and I hear this sound in this car next to me. And I hear it, and then I go to turn, and she was a cute girl that was driving. I remember turning my radio that just so she saw that I was listening to the same thing. 
And so, and then I'm like, listen, and that sprung, but also back then was still, was still, was still, was still that whole music mentality, just the way that music was spread at the time. And it made it very perfect for how, uh, how it was uh, organically driven from one spot and moved into the ears over a whole nation right. and then over a whole world where people over time wanted to move to this spot because that seemed That's to be where you the were mecca of that sound. Right. If you're in Chicago, again, as I was saying, and you try to play that, for the most part, at that time, you're not going to get it. However, then you have New York, boom, boom, boom. Then you have Texas, boom, boom, boom. But then you go all the way to Australia and you have a band called Silverchair that starts with a 16-year-old <laughs> boy who plays this music that sounds exactly like these other guys. And next thing you know, they've become a big band because across the world from Seattle started this great, great sound. And they were able to not only recognize that sound, make it their own, but then make it a worldwide sound, right. which was awesome. And not only that, too, is is not only was the sound copyrighted, but the fucking style was copyrighted. Because in, in the Northwest, you know, it's fucking cold up there, right? And in, primarily in a lot of those towns, you're in logging communities, right. things like that. So what are they wearing? Fucking flannels, mm-hmm. right? And these kids, these, these quote-unquote grunge musicians they're they're not wearing flannels to be cool they're wearing flannels because they got four of them for 10 cents at the fucking thrift store right right and so then next thing you know this quote-unquote grunge thing blows up and then you've got jc penny and macy selling grunge outfits for 700 bucks you know sure. and it's just a 25 cent fucking flannel some ripped jeans from working your ass off and a pair of doc martens that you saved up for three months for. right and it goes back you to know? that and it goes back to the old rock star thing that i was talking about initially is that if you think about the the rise and fall of that and if you think about that specific character and going into that that type of uh that type of rock that was going on at the time and then all of a sudden he says hey listen i'm going to this place that there's a new sound. And what was he wearing? He's wearing flannel, he's wearing jeans, right. he's got shoes on, and he has a guitar, and it was an acoustic guitar. And that's the thing, too, is that actually changed the music. Grunge music, as metal as it was, and as it came, but it actually started with that folksy, fetching acoustic guitar change that actually changed everything into what grunge is today. It wasn't a just all-metal, three-piece, you know, whatever, big dram- drummer and, like, you know, fetching just wailing on on a, a strat it's that whole change from going from that to the acoustic sound but also the acoustic sound that is now distorted that makes it into uh, a grunge sound Kurt Cobain again not to go back on what you guys talk about he started his musical uh, enterprise on a keyboard he started his sound yeah, on, on a, a mixing key- board on mixing a mixing keyboard. board keyboard that really defined it wasn't a classical piano he probably played that in church probably did this that and the other but as he played around with it as he played around with it and next thing you know he's tuning here and there boom boom boom. next thing you know heard about because he never he never really had a had a job he was living with his his girlfriend at the time i forget her name trisha or some some shit and all he would even comment. All he would do is sit at home and play with that fucking mixing board and play sure. on his six string all day long, writing songs. Reminds me of my buddy who 
sits at home and plays on his guitar and writes songs all like, you, you mad, Mark? You're, you're, so you're the audio slave, man. Let's get into Smashing Pumpkins. No! I, I know you don't like Smashing but I do. I like, and, and I like you, Smashing You're a Smashing Pumpkins fan, aren't you, Tony? I am. I am a Smashing Pumpkins fan. And uh, like a lot of bands, um, I like Smashing Pumpkins a lot. Uh, Is it better than how, Smashing Other Gourds? Hmm, here we go. I'd rather kind of well, smash my testicles. Well, here's one thing that... Um, uh, That's bad brains. Right. <laughs> here's one thing that I I, I, uh, I never found watching them live was as good as, as listening to them uh, uh, over over other media. And watching them live never seemed to work for me. You know what? Guys. I saw them once, twice... And Three I, I have to agree with, 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 with that. They're way better on their albums. Yeah, they're way better on their albums. They're way better produced band, and their production is great. However, live and actually, and so in that sense, doesn't make them. But I, I mean, listen, I'm a Smash Pumpkins fan. I'm, I'm all about it. I'm, a, you know, I, I like, I, I like music a lot. There was a big rift between Billy Corgan's head. No, because no, he looked too much like the guy from Live. They both look like the same fucking people. Oh. Or Powder. Yeah. Movie Powder. Or <laughs> Fester. Yeah. Adams. And yeah, nowadays, right? Yeah. <laughs> He's got a big-ass head. I just posted some shit this morning about even Billy like Corey. the head. It's like his, his wrinkles on his neck look like a turtleneck. I mean, yeah. goddamn, dude. You know, there was a, there was a Just kidding, rip. Billy, if you're hearing this. I apologize. He's not going to hear this. Uh, you don't know. There's a big... Yeah, more chance than the Chinese phone book? All right, that's... There, there's a that's big... No there was a big... That's the 80s. Are we talking 90s, 2000s? Are we talking yeah, 80s? Be. Nice play. You ever seen that? <laughs> you ever oh, listen Andrew to nice me, play. Michael Jackson or uh, Weird Al Yankovic? Weird Al Yankovic just had another concert. That motherfucker is rocking We were just forever. talking about Weird Al... Yeah, he just came through here a couple weeks ago. We were weeks talking ago. about him on our last episode, saying, like, if you have a song that Weird Al... Oh, yeah, copies, if Weird Al calls you, you, you made it. You have made it. You've come to, yeah. the, to the end yes. of your career. I remember Dave Grohl got that phone call in an interview, and he was talking about it. He's like, dude... He got off the phone and ran into Kurt's room. He's like, fuck, dude, Weird Al just called. And he's like, we made it. That's awesome. You know what I mean? And actually, speaking of Billy Corgan, no, too, no, Billy no. Corgan and Kurt Cobain were feuding for a little while because Courtney fucked off on Kurt with yeah. Billy Corgan. Sure. Yeah, and she, yeah, she did. And I yeah. think she murdered him. Slut. Mm, that's what I was trying to get at. Did you guys talk about that? We did. <laughs> we did. For the next podcast, conspiracy theories and others. We did. There's so much. There's so much. There's so much. <laughs> With that, yeah, There's just so much with that. So I, so well, yeah, yeah, let's let's go to a different band. Let's switch gears and go to. We uh, didn't even finish with Pearl Jam. Fugazi. <laughs> what, you guys don't like Fugazi, or you don't? Do you know who? Do you know who they are? Yes. Uh, what do you think about them? I like Fugazi. I like. Here, here's the thing. They were an important part of the grunge movement. Well, I thought. Yes. Uh, uh, the East Coast, maybe. That's that's probably worth because the East Coast had a different set of bands during the same time period that also made it. You know. Not you know under under the coattails of the grunge, you know guys the ba- the main five, but you know we we definitely had a, a different vibe going during the same period, you know that, that meshed well with the grunge. Right? Well, so the they, modern punk, right? And yeah. I think that too. You coming from like places like the Limelight and all that stuff in that in that facet, right? And growing up on the East Coast, there's a lot, especially you wasn't like East Coast Jacksonville or East Coast. North Carolina, it was East Coast. You were in the city in that sense, especially yeah, New York, back Philadelphia. Right, and so those, in my in my opinion, you got a lot more people. You got a lot more bands. You got a lot more bands that are actually trying to uh, collectively uh, duplicate the best next new sound, and not just because they want.
on to but because they're musically inclined to. They didn't have a reason to. And then you get this West Coast jam that all of a sudden comes over. Uh, and even in the hip hop, it's seen with all that bull, you know, not bull like a bad, but I mean, just the way hip hop then surfaced yeah. and moved everything to East Coast. And then it became this East Coast, West Coast thing, similar in the grunge scene where it became, like I said, all the way to Australia with Silverchair, but you had other bands that then just became into, that actually evolved into the grunge. It, you know, yeah, if you came from Seattle or you came from that area, then you were considered, uh, you know, hey, listen, this is the in. real deal. You're, you're in. Yeah. However, there's still great musicians. Fugazi, who comes from this East Coast style, right? That is the same deal, but also now we're on the East Coast flavor. You live in this area, you live in this rainy ass city, and you're very downtrodden, and and you live in the suicide capital of the world. Nothing you're else gonna, to do but go in the basement and play guitar. Yeah, you're but gonna like play you guitar, said, or you're gonna come up with some. You're gonna come up with some very downtrodden lyrics if you have that same sound. But then now you live on the East Coast, where you know you're not not necessarily that same downtrodden. Maybe it's the hood, or maybe whatever. But you still have. Uh, some really good grunge lyrics, grunge sound, then that's what makes for a great band. I mean, you guys talk about Rage at all as far as what we're talking about? Oh, we about? did that yeah. first. We did yeah. the first so, episode, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know. They were so, another part of the grunge period, you know? Yeah. yeah. Maybe not grunge, but a they were the same period. No, it's like saying, again, going back to where Tool was. Like saying so Tool, Boys, you know? Well, yeah, and well, that's late 80s more or less, and that's before, no, but that's pre-grunge, and so. Yeah, they came out then, but they blossomed in the 90s. Yeah, well, yeah, okay, and I'll give you this small segment on that. When 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 Beast Boys came out, licensed all that stuff, that was a a very glam style of rap. Like you couldn't get away with that kind of rap these days because no, it was no a hey, uh, my friend is my friend, and that is the end, and blah yeah, blah yeah, blah. Yeah. Pop goes the weasel, and yada yada yada. Yeah, yeah. So again, you couldn't get away with that kind of now because there's not that same kind of game. When you came into the '90s with that same deal, it wasn't the same. Now Beastie Boys much like R.E.M., which is one of my favorite bands, had always evolved before time. Crushed with Eyeliner from R.E.M., back when the grunge was going the grunge, they actually were ahead of their time on the sound base and the way their music changed, and everything that they put out was always a precursor to one of... That's how I feel about The Cure. And that's also a great thing. Thank right. you. But here's another thing about that, is that if you talk to Eddie Vedder today, he'll tell you one of his major influences is R.E.M. R.E.M. Is, has always been, when I was a kid, my mom worked in this college bar, okay? Yeah. And she worked in this bar that had college guys and Navy guys or whatever, and it was an old jukebox. That's how old I am, listeners. But it was an old jukebox, and it had two songs per. It had Jay Giles' band with Centerfold. It had Pink Floyd with, you know, whatever. And it had, you know, Dolly Parton, blah, blah, blah. But it also had these small little bands that were in there that nobody heard of, and R.E.M. is in there. And I used to listen to, uh, I, I used to listen to, uh, um, did you well, have MTV where you came from? I did, you jerk. Where you but came this from? Is like before, you came from fucking yes. 80 or something. This is, before, this is before all that stemmed. And so when R.E.M., every album they put out was always kind of like offset because like people were like, oh, what the heck? And next thing you know, that's the new style. So even when Monster came out with R.E.M., people were kind of like, oh, it's kind of very raspy, kind of grungy in that sense and next thing you know the grunge movement comes in and it has a lot to do with that riff i don't know if you listen to that and then post that you have that grunge sign i'm telling you if you listen to interviews from like i said kurt cobain 
and uh, and uh, Eddie Vedder, they will tell you straight up one of their major fetching influences was R.E.M., a little band out of Athens that turned into this big-ass band. Very, very talented musician. Oh, I love them. Yeah, I am a huge. One of those very, very unique. Yeah, and of course, you know, it's one of those, like, yeah, Rusted Root and all that stuff now where it's, you know, even live where it's, like, kind of like you have these big stadiums and there's this political thing behind it and all this other stuff, blah, blah, blah. That's fine. Uh, However, the music itself, right, the music itself has a grind to it which really kind of brought in that whole, you can do something else with music. You don't have to be part of this popular norm and you can actually make something of it. Thus, grunge. When grunge comes out, it's that whole, well, listen, we have a whole new sound. Kurt Cobain was told by his teacher, you'll never make it in this world. Boom, next thing you know, fuck her. Kurt Kurt was told that by everybody. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So and not just and I don't mean to bring up Kurt because you guys talk about him. Oh no, bring him up. But I'm just saying you talk about everybody else that's in that field. I guarantee you, Chris Cornell moved all the way to New York, was in a basement singing in the street, in there when somebody just listens, walks by, happens to listen to a note that they they hear, turns back, goes talks to him, produces him, and turns Soundgarden into this huge thing. It wasn't something where this guy was just sitting there doing his thing. He was in, uh, he was in a basement band in New York. He gets heard by this guy. Next thing you know, he is Soundgarden. And he's now associated with this West Coast flavor where, in fact, he actually had to go all the way to the East Coast to be found because his voice wasn't that whole... It was that... So his pitches and everything else he did vocally made who they were. And, of course, the time was grunge. Soundgarden was grunge. It made for a perfect, perfect mesh, and that's why Soundgarden is going to be one of those top bands always talked about. Right. Allison Chains, Lane Staley, if that cat and the rest of those guys didn't fetch and just meld together, that's another, that's another uh, singles reference, right? That's a that's, that was such a fucking cool movie. It was. I really loved that. It movie. Was. Did you ever did you ever see? Uh, and if you haven't, go check it out. Uh, Pearl Jam's release party. For singles, no. That was one of the only. I feel like the only two times that I've ever seen Eddie Vedder lose his shit. Really? Like he got fucking hammered before that release party and came out there, and he was super pissed off because at that time, like you were talking about, the grunge movement had exploded, right? Right. And these guys were getting pulled all over the sure. fucking place. Like you got to be here, you got to be there, and these guys are, you know, like you said, they're just sitting there in their basement. They're just real sedentary kids down there, you know releasing some tension, playing some guitar. They're not, you know, super upbeat, going, sure. nine-to-five job kind of folks. And uh, Eddie Vedder lost his fucking mind. He had had enough of it. And you just... Because when you see Eddie Vedder sing, he's very melodic, he's very calm. And when you listen to him talk, he's a very calm, cool, collected dude. He fucking went nuts, started screaming, went over, jumped on some drapes, pulled a bunch of shit down, hit the sound person in the head, and then started losing his fucking mind on stage. And that's one of the rarities. I've never seen him actually do that. Well, groups that are on there, we got Mad Season. Who Mad else? Mad Season. What a super group that was. Right? McCready, Barrett from Screaming Trees. That fucking Lane Staley, man. Mad Season, one of my favorites. Um, you can't play any songs. No, I'm not going to. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Copyright. Copyright infringement, yeah. no playing of songs. <laughs> we already went through that once. No. <laughs> I'm actually looking up, because uh, here's the thing, is maybe I should know it, maybe I shouldn't, but I'm looking up the single soundtrack right now, because we can mention you know, this, that, and the other. Well, you have the, the, that uh, song by Smashing Pumpkins on there, Drown. Yeah. I mean, I don't care if you're a Smashing Pumpkins fan or not, that's a classic yeah. song. Yeah. 
and uh, Eddie Vedder and, and Chris Cornell and, and Staley, they all appeared in it. You know, so they're obviously on it. Well, my one of my favorite uh, Smashing Pumpkin songs is Mayonnaise. That's like one of my favorite <laughs> songs. From that's like I, I love playing that song. I love listening to that song. You love eating it, slathering in it. Yeah, bathing in it. I do. I like to put my bologna in it <laughs> with cheese and bread, of course. <laughs> cheese and willy white bread. That's All right. right. All, right. All right, guys. Gross. Paul Westenberg, Screaming Trees. Mm. Pixies. Love Screaming Trees. Oh, they went on there, but the Posies. an awesome band. I had to bring them up. Pixies are an awesome band. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole live. Love, love, love. So uh, my favorite song. Uh, and Mud Honey was on, on there. I'm sure right. the Melvins, Mud Honey. I'm sure all those yeah, songs yeah, were yeah. there. One of my favorite songs. And you couldn't listen to it unless you had the soundtrack. I remember at that time was uh, was Wood by uh, Alice in Chains. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. In fact, that is that is my favorite. I, I used to work at this restaurant at the, at, at the Jacksonville Landing a long, long time ago. And the, back then... You didn't have like a, a music service or whatever. They just sent you these CDs, and you yeah, put the sign CD up on the back of magazines and shit. Well, whatever it was, is you put the CD in, in. As you're in the restaurant, you would you would get a CD. So I'm talking about working in the restaurant and in the office. The office would get these CDs sent to them, and it have like whatever the the top pop music's are at the time, mixed in with some other stuff, and they put it in the CD player. So when I worked, I would bring in my own CDs, and I was so cool with the managers, and they were like blah blah. blah. So I used to play. Like the single soundtrack all the time, or like fetching. Uh, I would play Smashing Pumpkins, right? Play a little D- D- DMB every once and again, or whatever the heck was going that on. Was a, that was a traveler. I would play a lot of that movie. Show. Funny enough, too, about that movie, Cameron Crowe, he made it, and they wouldn't even let him release that movie until the quote unquote grunge movement took off. Right. You know what I mean? They wouldn't even let him release it. They're like, nobody's going to fucking like this. And then Grunge took off. And sure. Like, oh, he yeah. Give me that fucking movie. Yeah, he knew something that the other Hollywood guys didn't right. know. Right. Well, so the other side of that, too, is it took it took the one song. It took a little Smell Like Teen Spirit to get that whole movement going to where now it's like you got that. You got Wicked Garden by Soundgarden. You got Alive by Pearl Jam. You have these songs that are now starting to come into rotation that are now starting to fill in. When you're you're listening to like Helmet and you're listening to fetching, uh, you know, uh, Metallica, James, yeah. you know, you're listening to these guys and they're still in that they're still in that deal and trying to keep up. Like even Metallica kept up with uh, to a certain extent. They knew they had to evolve in order for their music they didn't to go be grunge, man. Well, they, they, I don't, think, I don't think Alice in Chains was very grunge either. Well, they, they were derived like if you listen to a lot of grunge no, music, because to me, they were from there. When, when Soundgarden right. came out, right? They, the first time I saw Soundgarden it was on Headbangers Ball, which was right. a yeah. metal show. Right. Well, that's what I mean. Same as Alice. So I mean, the they, same. They could dip their, you know, yeah. their, their they rods were very derived. To you know, yeah, but see, you, you say that, but I think I think that Metallica album is a. Like, the window burns to light the oh, way the back album. home. No, not the black album. That's the uh, the, the uh, garage days. What was the one with the flames on Load? it? Load. Load. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Load. I mean, they did. Around they did turn into dad rock. My know. favorite album. <laughs> <laughs> it's my actual favorite album. Load and reload. Yeah. Those are my favorite <laughs> albums from Metallica. <laughs> Fuck. Now I feel stupid. Yeah. Now I feel stupid. <laughs> you guys don't like me. <laughs> Yeah, but that that, that sound yeah. though that sound even though Hetberg he like he had the whole thing but that sound I think was more geared Mitch Hetberg Mitch Hetberg Hetfield sorry James <laughs> we're gonna have another Napster thing on our hand Lars Ulrich is gonna fucking come after us He's tomorrow morning with a suit sorry Mitch too soon 
Tippy Bear making men at the podcast. Yeah. You remember those little videos they had, like about uh, what was it, uh, Joe Cartoon or whatever, when James Hetfield was this big looming moron and Lars Ulrich was this little like George and Lenny fucking no, of mice and men thing no, and he's I like oh we gotta sue him James and it was uh, just no, the funniest fucking thing no really yeah it was hilarious I don't even know if Joe Cartoon you remember that when they used to put the frog in the blender and shit like that and no. a bunch of fucking fart I'm a child clearly <laughs> clearly no, clear your eyes clear I, <laughs> that's another thing too is like that grunge scene believe it or not had everything to do with if you're talking pop culture like uh, when Ben Stein's money, you know, going into that yeah. whole thing, <laughs> yeah. you know, what I mean, like everything in that mindset in that early early nineties. Singled out. Well, it is. Yeah, yeah, singled <laughs> out. Yeah, singled out. Yeah. Remote control. Well, remote control, which was also late eighties. You know what's funny is I ended up watching a couple of those the other day, and they were awesome. This one had um, remote control. Yeah, remote control. Ken Ober. <laughs> well, Ken Ober, and of course, you know, uh, Colin Quinn. But I forgot that, that fetching Adam, Adam Sandler right, so was like the, the whatever his character was. He was like the, and he was like such a yeah, and he was like this little thin guy, and he'd come out, and he was like the. Yeah, yeah, or whatever. He was like the guys, like either the whatever. But this particular one I saw had uh, uh, had these three cats that were on. One cat was from Fetch and Dagum. Fail. Femme Fatale. What's what's that? Um, we are getting way off topic with all this. All right. That's all right. Anyways. Okay. Now he's talking about Femme Fatale. Let it well, roll, I baby. We it's ta- got to come naturally. I thought we were talking about Organic. Ro- I thought we were talking that I Rock thought you were is say, The guys from Helmet came out of the, from behind the scenes. They were smoking a bond together, and then Ken Ober hit him in the face. That would have been a greater story. That's not a story. Wow. That's a fake story. <laughs> is this a fake? Helmet was a great band. Helmet was a, uh, it was a there was a lot of Canadian rock coming down too. Well, yeah. so so going back into that whole deal was the in my mindset too when the grunge was on its deal and the grunge became that whole popular but still great grunge. In my opinion, Tool when Tool came through, mm. as far as like even if you think about the grunge, grunge and the griminess of music. That that in itself, tool in itself, that he they turned electronica upside down. You yes, had nine inch nails. no. Yeah, well, right. listen, you had the Cure, which is all that kind of electronic. Then you had the morph into nine inch nails, which was nine inch nails deal. And of course, in nine inch nails, that same grittiness and nastiness moving into things like uh, with seven and stuff like that. But then you have tool that actually took a portion of I think even the grunge side. And just that whole artistic side of bringing in that next level of music. The evolution, I think, yeah. outside of grunge was this turn of electronica that was Nine Inch Nails turned it up a notch. Tool turned it up all another See, hundred, hundred notches. Nine Inch Nails more industrial. Right. You know, long I didn't know that was a category. Oh, yeah, industrial. Yeah, industrial. Yeah, industrial. Yeah. yeah, that's See, what. Like, yeah, that's actually and, uh, nine inch ministry. Right. Yeah, nine inch nails was considered industrial. In in fact, they are I mean, that industrial. In my, you know, pretty. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, and that again brings it to that's the preliminary of Chemical Brothers and that old case you're not about you know that whole thing because it's all electronica industrial where you have the grungy side of that of the music. But then it's not – so what I – you know, moving forward, everything we've talked about, that music, that music genre that came from 
this hair band, this uh, post uh, metal as far as uh, Guns N' Roses, yeah, Molly, all, uh, all those Van guys, Halen, shit like and that. there was a need for a new sound, and that new sound hit being grunge smacked hard, right? Too. And so that really then gave birth to the next realm of of guys. When you get into like the the, the three piece and those three piece three chord blah blah blah, the Weezers, Weezer the even Becks. came out. Becks, that's Becks, yeah, Beck. Beck really, I liked Beck. He kind of yeah. melded that whole electronica yeah. mixed right. with real rock. Yeah. Yes, you know. and this day and age, Beck is a. Uh, um, uh, Ray LaMontagne. I don't know if you guys listen to Ray LaMontagne at all, but I love Ray LaMontagne. Very like acid rock. And she's got or- Oros Boros. That that's a very concept album. You know, again off topic, but that's if anybody's listening and you haven't listened to Ray LaMontagne, Oros Boros, listen to it. I'm not getting paid. Are anyway, you serious? Yeah, serious even. <laughs> <laughs> the influences. So we're 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 at that point in time. So what what did uh, what influences did uh, did uh, did grunge have on you, Mark? What 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 influences did it have on you and how you play today and what you think about as far as music and what got you into like really playing music and thinking about it? See, for me, the I mean, yeah, the Pearl Jam, you know, they they, they did it for me a little bit when it came to like you know my singing styles maybe, but um, I would say bands like you know Pink Floyd and 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 Dimebag Daryl from Pantera, man. That's where that's where I started like saying, man, I need to pick up a guitar and start start hitting yeah. some of these strings yeah. and seeing where I can. Like, but on the grunge side, what did you get? Any, did you grab any influences Alice in from Chains, that? Hands down, I that's my that, that's my, my all time favorite grunge band. Mm-hmm. So um, all of them, I liked all of them. STP, you know, I was into them. I actually saw them with a Snoop Dogg and Fiction playing Sting's Sons band over in Red Rocks Amphitheater in Colorado. Really? In like That's 2006. Yeah. yeah. When Scott Weiland was good when he was still on heroin. Man, I saw him in Philadelphia. <laughs> I saw him and before still, he quit. And still alive. I yeah. saw him <laughs> and still living. And st- I saw him in Philadelphia oh, fuck. right when they were in their heyday, when STP was like at their peak, right? I saw him in Philadelphia. I've never seen to this day another concert in the parking lot after the show with as many fights as I seen, you know, there, there was really? so many fights. It was people hitting people with bottles, Jordan, people, people Jordan, walking around bloody Jordan, faces. Jordan. Uh, they were freaking Stone Temple Pilots concert they were killing people. It. Yeah. What? Why? Oh, <laughs> well, somebody was chasing after his Sunday girl. I guess. <laughs> it wasn't like it was a you know Slayer or you know somebody you expect to have a parking lot you know party. Hey, fuck it, man. You can get down to Stone Temple Pilots, I guess. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't strange. picture that as a, a logical thing. Uh, for me. It was Jim Blossoms, wasn't it? Oh yes, absolutely. Jim <laughs> Blossoms. That was a that was a big influence in my life. The Spin Doctors. That was they were huge with me. They read. They read. No. Wish. Oh, if you wanna right. buy me flowers? Right. Right. One of the best. Right. Ones. No. Are two princes? Right. That's two princes. Yeah. Pr- yeah. yeah, yeah two princes. Two. <laughs> Jesus Christ. If you want to buy me flowers. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, funny thing about the Jim Blossoms. I had a friend of mine hit me up. Like, I guess they came to Ponte Vedra concert hall like two months ago, and he's like. Hey man, I got these free tickets to Gin Blossoms. Do you want them? I can't go. I was like, nah. <laughs> I'm good. What's the song, What's the song that they have though? Jealousy. Hey, uh, jealousy. Oh, no. Till I fall away. oh, those are. Oh yeah. Hey, right. jealousy. I, I mean, I'm not. I'm not being aloof. Like I don't know who they are. I no, do. I, I just can't remember the songs. Like, yeah. Didn't it was they do a, a Friends theme song too. No, that was nah, somebody. I don't know who that was. Um, tonic out of that whole thing. There's tonic? only the one. Yeah, bad. I like Tonic, but what was the if song? If you could only see, sorry, 
That's right. <laughs> but I, maybe I, you would never do. I think the thing that drew me, like I said, that drew me to to the quote unquote grunge thing. I only say quote unquote grunge because, like we've talked about before, the only reason the word grunge even came around is because it started at, like every other genre of music starts when the fucking uh, the, the record producers and big business doesn't know what to call it. It started at, as New Wave until it graduated into something else. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Sure. Zeppelin started as New Wave. Floyd sure. started as New Wave. Jim Morrison. Right, right, all right. of them until they start labeling shit. Punk rock. Those fucking punk rockers. Yeah. And the mm -hmm. grungy boys. Grunge is There's something you get on your fucking TV. There's a new wave of music, yeah. kids. And right. this is... If your kids are listening to this Eddie Vedder, you need to take them to the doctor. See, I think it was like when somebody in the record industry and they were like, oh, those guys are they're dirty looking. They're so dingy. They're even grungy. Right, yeah. yeah. Some fucking... <laughs> some fucking... <laughs> it's stuck. Oh. Some over-accentuated reefer madness nah. commentator. It was, somebody that, it was somebody that was like denying, oh, it sounds too grungy. Get it off my disc. Too much <laughs> distortion. Give me some more... Where's Bernie Toppin when you yeah. need Give him? Give me something with less Where's hot low Where's that Elton John y'all speak of? <laughs> right. But I don't know. I just felt like the, the, all, the, all the, the musicians in that era, how they... They just swapped around. I thought it was just always really fascinating to me. You know, like the Temple of the Dog thing. That's sure. so fucking good. We haven't even talked about that. No, yet. and that's so good. That in itself. So when I was a kid, you know, so I, I remember this vividly, right? I remember, okay, that, that thing I told you when I was in the car and, and listening to Nirvana and blah, blah, blah. And then also, of course, MTV and all that stuff. But I, when Alive first came out, you know, and you have, uh, you have Alive and then you have, um, Fetching uh, the, the whole ten album. Well, uh, the, so so, so, so yeah. So when no, but ten. So I remember Jeremy. I was li I was living with a buddy of mine and his sister. Uh, she was in town from Virginia. Her friend had come down and she, this bitch was smoking hot. And I remember I was you know I was all but like fifteen or sixteen, and me and my buddies were all fifteen and sixteen. We're there. And she's like hot as fuck, and she's got this nice ass Camaro at the time. She's got a brand new CD player because they didn't have fetching, you know, MP3. it, MP3s and all that <laughs> bullshit. And we're we she took it. We went to the mall, and we go to the mall, and she's playing. Um, and I hear uh, Jeremy or something of that nature, and I remember I was like, oh what? A, she oh this is the new Ten album, blah blah. So we went to the mall, and the whole time I'm in the mall hanging around, blah blah. I couldn't wait to get back. And what we did is we got back to the house. Everybody goes inside. And remember, it was a rainy day. I asked for her keys. I went into her car, turned on that, turned on the deal, and listened that that from track one to track ten or whatever the fuck it was, and listened the whole thing. And just I remember it was it was that very almost famous moment. You know when yeah. she gives him the LPs, and then he's like. He fetching lays back, and then you got fetching uh, Led Zeppelin and Bowie playing. You got all this shit playing, and it just this whole time loop. Next thing you know, he's this grown man or this older kid. And at that time, I remember that album and that fetching uh, that CD because back then was I was big in it. Was a tape, right? Well, yeah. but it was a CD. This is one of the first I, CDs. I won my my ten album at the oh. Boardwalk. And I wanted to stand. Yeah. Did you? And we popped it in that son of a bitch, and we just played the yeah. whole thing through. And we're like, shit. Well, at the time too, especially. You know how short my story was compared to that whole elaborate ordeal. It's okay. We value you. At the time. I've like twice. Oh, maybe once for me. At the time. 
at the time, you know, my mentality was post Guns N' Roses, you, you know, uh, Metallica, Megadeth, all these other things, but also with the, uh, you know, Chronic and all these other things with, with uh, you know, rap and that, that was in my brain at the time. Out. 311 wasn't mm. there yet, not at that time. But mid, no, they were early 90s. Not until after this. Not not really? after. Not until after. No, they weren't. They were late nineties, dude. I thought they were late nineties. They early were late nineties. Yes. Yeah. Three eleven. Listen. Are, is this your podcast? Because you need to figure out something. Grassroots came out. What year? I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna look, <laughs> look it up. Look it up. Look it up. That's why we're, we're we're graced with a yeah, exactly. Google. Yeah, exactly. Back, back when we're talking about the CDs. Anyways, we're not all there I'm anymore. talking about. We're talking about influences and how grunge influenced us and and that sort of thing. So I remember that specific moment whenever. Yes, I actually became a, a, a grunge head. Uh, everything that was going on at that time, including the singles, I, I, this is the third yeah. time I brought it up, but all that movie. stuff. Oh, and 1990, it was. 311. Fuck yeah. Oh, yeah, but who was listening to them then? You? <laughs> I was their only fan. <laughs> yeah. You were there whenever. Yeah. I was the president of the fan club. Yeah, <laughs> when they just started. Huh. Every, yeah. just said, <laughs> Everybody else is listening to November Rain by. Uh, <laughs> Everybody else is listening to November Rain and fetching Sammy Hagar and R.E.M. and Losing My Religion. You're in the back corner listening to 311. Hey, guys, why aren't you listening to my 311? It's better than last week, boys. Three-year-old speed wagon, what's that called? What is it called? As soon as you are able. As soon as you are able, only I am willing that's <laughs> so good. It's, it's funny too. My cup is on the tape. When you when you mention when CDs first came out, because I remember also Eddie Vedder was really upset that his album was on a CD. He wanted a vinyl. He wanted a vinyl. He's like, it's so fucking small. It's just such a weird. Sorry, it's just such a weird thing. The transition between all well, that. so in in well, that I case, Radiohead too. Radiohead, we have to mention them. Oh yeah, well, Radiohead, Radiohead was awesome. Is is awesome. You know the thing is, here's a here's a known fact. Being uh, a little known fact rather, being this deal, we're, we're short on time. There's a band called Four Squirrels, which nobody. <laughs> it's a true story. Nobody ever will listen to them because they had this one hit. They were out of Gainesville, so it may have been just more central to this area, but they were a very grunge kind of sound. They had this great, great song, and they, they were out of Gainesville, a college band called Four Squirrels, and they used to play it on uh, at the time, which was the new alternative radio, which was the first alternative radio here in Jacksonville because everything else was Rock 105 or WAPE, blah, blah, blah. So when they first came out, we did listen to, uh, we got to listen to Creep, but the real Creep, you're so fucking special. They played that on the radio. Radio. They didn't say so very special. They played really? so fucking special. And I used to love that shit. They played uh, Better Man. They played all this great music that we're talking about right now. They played Fetchin. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Do we? I don't even listen oh, to no, them yeah. anymore. Uh, no, I don't either. I don't either. But, but anyway, so four squirrels, and then they got in this car wreck. They got in this car wreck, and so they're they're uh, and I I listen to the song in my head all the time. I can't find it anywhere. Anyway, I had a great time with you guys today. I think uh, we missed out on a couple things. Uh, Everclear, great band. Uh, you know, we, you know, bands that actually still came from that West Coast, still into the grunge, but also post of what we're talking about. Sublime. Yeah, Sublime, which is mm. uh, all that. Uh, mm. uh, uh, no doubt, no doubt, especially uh, the there's offspring. Uh, the offspring. Bush, these are titles, and, and listen, uh, I, you know, 
obviously we're on the podcast because we're talking about things we're passionate about and and if it's not in your face you you're not gonna listen you're not gonna remember somebody's gonna listen and be like well you didn't bring up fetching uh, uh, uh babes and toilet on or yeah yeah you didn't yeah and that's the thing how could you have grunge without the melvins yeah talk well, more about yeah. the melvins buzz osborne <laughs> is my shit why would you even say anything <laughs> anyway well, thank you very much to the Grunge Lord, Tony, for coming out to talk with us today. As always, if you guys love the podcast, go ahead and subscribe. Uh, if you guys want to hear anything specific, hit me up at willywhitebread69 at gmail.com. Uh, tune in next week. We're going to be talking a little bit more about bullshit we love and stuff you may. So Thanks for listening, you. guys. See you later. Thanks for having me, guys. I hope that I can come out and uh, visit you guys one other time.